Of course, of course. Well, now, Mary, uh, outline for our audience what happened to you to put you at odds with your Catholic priest. Well, uh, as you stated in your opening, uh, it was in 2000, after my mom died, she came to visit me in what was known as a visitation or dream visit. And this uh, really started me on the on the spiritual path in wanting to uh, learn more and be able to communicate with my mother, learn more about spirit communication. And as I started reading many books, it began to open me up. And one of the things I found in all the different books I read was to, to meditate, meditate, meditate. They all said the same thing. So I started taking up meditation. And soon I found out I could learn to communicate with my mother in spirit. In fact, I didn't think it was that hard. Just simple guided meditation techniques, visualization, get yourself in the alpha state, and voila, I was able to contact my mother. Only this time I wasn't sleeping. I was in a conscious state, an um, alpha meditative state. But all the, all the books I read, they, they never warned me of this one thing. I, evidently, I opened a door I didn't know how to close, and soon spirits other than my mother were contacting me and mm-hmm. um, wanting me to pass on messages to people, some I knew, some I barely knew. Well, I was, this kind of threw me off, and I thought I was going crazy because I hear voices in my head now. Although, I, being in the mental health field, I'm a retired mental health um, professional. I knew I wasn't schizophrenic, and I knew it was basically spirit communication, but I didn't know how to control it. And uh, what happened is at this time in my life, I was uh, 41 years old, and suffering from, still grieving from the loss of my mother. And um, at that time, since the age of 14, I was I was an alcohol and a drug addict. So I was spinning downward into a spiral of uh, depression and illness. I was also um, diagnosed with two incurable illnesses. At age of 23, I developed a seizure disorder known as epilepsy. Mm. Effects of that left left to be uh, eight to ten seizures a day. At the age of 27, I developed an incurable autoimmune disease called lupus, which led to five surgeries and a hole in my heart. So my body was slowly dying from an overactive immune system. I was suffering from major depression caused by the recent death of my mother. Uh I was I had five doctors. I was on 24 different medications. And now on top of it all, I think I'm going crazy. <laughs> so one day I just I just hit bottom, and many people know what that's like when you just hit bottom in life. And I, uh, I, I didn't want to be here anymore. And to cope with it all, I always just increased my intake of alcohol and drugs. But one day I said I had enough. Because physically I was dying. But I wasn't dead. And emotionally and spiritually, I was, I was already dead. So I just wanted the suffering to end, just wanted the pain to stop. So I, I just wanted to be home with my mother in heaven. I didn't know what to do, so I thought I did the next best thing. And I went to her gravesite to pray and to 
begged God to take me home because I was no, no more willing a participant in this world. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, and then that day was November, November 1st, All Saints Day. So I prayed to God to take me home and begged him to heal me or give me a sign that he hadn't abandoned me because now I think I'm going crazy and I'm dying, but I'm not dead and living and really living in kind of a hell, a limbo, because my body's just here. And what seemed like hours of talking to myself on the, the grave, I just finally admitted defeat and I went home. And the next day I got my sign. God. The next day was November 2nd, All Souls Day. And what happened is that morning, um, I used to do a lot of amphetamines to help keep me awake because the lupus made me tired all the time. And uh, so I got up in the morning and popped a couple ephedrines and drove into the city. When I I say the city, I'm referring to the city of Rochester, New York, because that's where I live south of Rochester, in the Finger Lakes. And went in there to buy some drugs and some alcohol and decided, well, I'll just, uh, wanted, also drove into the city because I wanted to buy this book. It was then Borders Bookstore, which is no more Borders, um, by John Edward one last time. That was when that book came out. And I was driving down 390, which is, uh, Interstate Expressway around, around Rochester when I got my sign from God. And most of you, most people are familiar with hearing a a song that kind of speaks solely to you and strikes the chord with your very heart and soul. And, you know, when the words are exactly what you need to hear at that precise moment in your life. Yes. And for me, the song that came out of the radio was a song by the rock group Styx called Why, Why Me? And all the words of this song described everything that I was going through the night before in my mother's grave, wondering why all these things were happening to me and thinking I had a curse on me. And anyhow, when when I heard this song, I just knew it was my sign from God, and I just started sobbing with joy and relief. I'm tears running down my eyes. I'm driving down the expressway saying, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a sign and for not abandoning me. And at the same time, I was aware that something was happening to my body. I felt the electrical shock go through my body. Mm. I felt like I was struck with a proverbial lightning bolt of God. And quite commonly reasoned that I was probably undergoing cardiac arrest at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. So as I'm driving down the expressway in tears, just all I cared about was getting my signs from God, I was just so grateful. So here I am having a heart attack and crying, thank you, God, thank you. I managed to get my car off the road because I was right near my exit. And um, so I pulled off, and the Borders bookstore was right there. So I pulled in the parking lot of the bookstore, and I turned my car off. And I happened to look at the clock. It was 5.15. I put my head back. And the next thing I know is that I'm I'm floating up towards the brightest, most beautiful, wondrous light I'd ever experienced. And 
I was immersed in a tremendous force of love that permeated every cell of my body. And this light and love, it not only enveloped me, it became me. And we merged into one. And this was a level of devotion that was unlike any earthly notion of love I'd ever experienced. This is a million times more intense. And as I was in this light and love, a peace and tranquility settled within my mind, and all my earthly and bodily cares just vanished. I was in no more pain. I felt like I was wrapped in a down-filled comforter. They engulfed me with a sense of security and tenderness. Like I felt like I was being tucked into bed by a doting grandmother. And as I was in this light, I just, I just totally relaxed in a total state of surrender because I was being taken care of now and assured that everything was going to be all right. I was in that light to rest and heal. And at that moment, I recognized where I was. I recognized my long-forgotten creator, my Father in heaven. I was home. And as I was in this place, my home, this light, this love made me feel like I was the most important person in the universe. And nothing I could ever say or do would change that. And this light just reminded me that I was his child and loved no matter what. And I got to tell you, Lee, condemnation and punishment for concepts that did not and could not exist within the realm of this all-capable, all-loving presence. I was not there to be judged, but to be comforted and healed and reminded. And one of my missions is to remind everybody else that no matter what happens in your life, everything is going to be all right. So then what happened, I had kind of a type, type of a life review I'm not going to go into all that. We don't have a lot of time, but when I was back into, after the life review, I was back into light, and God said to me, without any spoken words, he said, I did all of you asked for me. I gave you proof that you're not going crazy. I gave you a sign that I had not abandoned you, and I brought you home. You cannot say, however, you must return. Your work is not yet finished. And I was totally okay with that decision. I understood and very much at peace with that and knew it was the right thing to do. And as the light kind of pulled away from me, I felt myself being pulled backwards. And the next thing I realized, I was sitting back in my car in the parking lot of Borders Bookstore in Rochester, New York, and looked at the clock and noticed it was 6 o'clock, 45 minutes had passed. And I felt high. I felt like a euphoria, like I'm, like better than any drugs I'd ever taken. And I, I, ironically, I said to myself, I, I'm sitting in the car trying to process all that happened to me. And ironically, I stated aloud, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Because I just, I couldn't believe, I, you know, and 
I, I sat there and I I reached in the console of my car and I took out the drugs I just bought and the bottle of whiskey and I looked at them and I thought, these things mean nothing to me anymore. After like 23 years of drinking and doing drugs, I thought they just look like penny candy to me because they meant nothing in light of where I had just been. So, now, Mary, uh, did your Mary did your health improve after that? Well, yes, it it, it did. What I started uh, noticing in the well immediately right away, um, my seizures had stopped, and I. Just decided, you know, I vowed then. I said I needed to change my life. I was no longer wanted to be on the path of self-destruction, and I made a promise to God that I would quit drinking and doing this life anymore. So, uh, just I immediately quit drinking, and um, and in the coming months, I my energy started going through the roof. I started taking long walks with my dogs to the lake. And uh, just started getting better and better, and eventually I went. I went to all five of my doctors, and I got my, you know, EEGs done of my heart and EKGs or, or EEG of my brain and EKG of my heart stress tests and all the medical blood tests and anti-nuclear antibody tests. For those of you familiar with lupus, uh, it's the blood level they take and everything came back normal and over a period of six months time I tapered off all 24 medications that I was on and I was completely disease free and free of alcohol and drug addiction now at what point did you take the story to your Catholic priest well what happens is many people read the stories or heard of them is is your life after a near-death experience is forever changed and that's what was hard was integrating back into this world because I tell you at that point when I was in my car I stepped out of my when I was in my car the Borders bookstore and I stepped out I stepped into a whole new world when I was in that parking lot because I decided I felt well enough to go in a Borders bookstore and by the book that I went there for, I thought, well, geez, nothing's wrong with me. I feel fine. But it's like I I didn't walk to the bookstore. It was like I floated. And my whole life changed. Everything, my perception of reality, feeling light and love from all people, just an intense connection and, and unitive experience being at one with everyone. And then I, I became, uh, I was living in two worlds. You know, my heart was home and heaven with God, and I just wanted to spend all my time in nature with God, but it was hard to to get back to doing mundane things like, you know, paying bills and doing laundry, and so I, I knew I needed help. I was on an emotional roller coaster, and I didn't know who to go to. I knew if I went to, I was in the mental health field, so I knew if I went to a psychiatrist, they'd probably prescribe some medication and maybe 30 days in the hospital. Um, so I went to the one person I thought I could trust and would understand. I went to my priest because I thought, well, this is a God issue, not a medical condition. So I, so I went to my priest and um, set up an appointment. And I told him everything that had happened over the previous year about the after-death visitation from my mom. 
my own near-death experience, everything that was going on. He pretty much knew about my drugs and alcohol. He sat there very patiently and listened to my story and then quite calmly reasoned that, well, all these experiences were probably brought on by my, they were hallucinations brought on by the drugs I was taking, although I wasn't taking any hallucinogenic drugs. Um, And then he said, I think you need to find another church. And I was like, what? And he explained to me that what I was doing, communicating with loved ones on the other side, was practicing spiritualism, and it was against the teachings of the church, and it was dabbling with the devil and the occult. And I needed to, it would be best if I found another church. Well, I was devastated. I left there in tears, and I remember going home that day and just sobbing in my husband's arms. I was, you know, I live in a small town. One small Catholic church, we're all related. Um, so where was, I, where was I going to go to church on Sundays, you know? So I continued. I thought, after a while, I got mad. I said, well, I've been going to this church for 40 years, baptized all the sacraments right up through marriage. And at that point, that priest had only been there for three years. He was rather new. They they move him around a lot. And um, so I continued going to Mass for the next two weeks. And then one day, a, a sheriff, Livingston County Sheriff, showed up in my workplace. And he said, by orders of this priest, I was not to set foot on grounds of church property ever again, or I would be arrested for trespassing. Wow. So I was That's... legally excommunicated from my church. Hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But you, but since then you found another Catholic church that's much more uh, friendly to your point of view. Yes. Yes. I, um, I no longer, you know, I was. I guess I could say I was angry for a while at the Roman Catholic Church. I no longer consider myself Roman Catholic because. Some people say, why didn't you just go to another Catholic church? Well, that priest in that church, to me, represented all of the Vatican. Because I understood he was he was just doing his job. He was, mm-hmm. that was the rules of the church. So um, I thought, well, if I can't be a part of a church where I, it's against the rules to talk to my mom, it didn't make sense. Um I said, I had this burning question, if we can talk to Mom and, this, you know, God and the saints in heaven, why can't we talk to Grandma or Mom or our brother Joe? It didn't make sense to me. Absolutely. So, yes, eventually I was led to another independent Catholic church in Rochester, New York, called Spiritus Christi. And it's, um, actually they call it the Excommunicated Catholic Church. It's, People laugh, but it's uh, it's an entire church made out of Roman Catholic rejects. So it's filled with, you know, people, gays, lesbians, unwed mothers, divorced. They have this really 
what doesn't seem like too far-fetched an idea that anyone is welcome to come to their church and receive communion. And our pastor there is Jesus Christ. Uh, it's right on our church bulletin. And priest Father Jim says every week, this is not a Catholic table. It's Jesus' table, and everybody's welcome. So I did find a new home at Spirit of Christi Church in Rochester. I never thought I'd drive 45 miles every week to go to church, but I do. Um, <laughs> and it's now, my home. It's my home away from home. And it, it just makes more sense to me. Now, Mary, out of all this experience, you have written uh, a wonderful book called The Communion of Saints Talking to God and Grandma. It's a, it's a lengthy book. It runs uh, more than almost 450 pages. And uh, it's very readable. I, I've enjoyed uh, going through it. And I, maybe you can tell um, the folks in the few minutes we have left um, a little about how you came to write the book. Well, I wrote the book because I felt an injustice had been done not only to me, but to countless of people like me who have um, a, a gift. They call it gifts of grace. You can call them psychic gifts or whatever, and are being ostracized from the church. For these gifts, um, I think they should be welcome. People should be welcome, just as the saints were. The book is um, in three parts. I based it uh, on the Idiot's Guide books to make it easy to read, because I love those books. So part one is about my spiritual journey, my near-death experience, and how I came to be excommunicated from the church. And part two is kind of like the academic portion and it's the part that talks about parapsychology and Christian theology, mysticism, and the supernatural, and how all that is part of the, the Catholic faith. So it integrates all those things, parapsychology, Christian theology, spiritualism, and mysticism. And um, part three is a step-by-step, is a, your self-help guide. It's a step-by-step instructions as to how to communicate and maintain relationships with loved ones in heaven, because my whole, um, the object of my book in my mission is, is threefold. I, I want to teach that anyone can communicate with loved ones in heaven because we all have a sixth sense, and not only how to stay connected, but the importance of doing so, because this is where healing takes place. And thirdly, my mission is to teach that spiritualism or spirit communication is not an evil force of the devil but a natural God-given gift that can be under, better understood through the science of parapsychology. So I take kind of a scientific view of prayer, of spiritualism, of all the supernatural elements that occur in the Bible and explain that, you know, science and religion are often saying the same things. They're just using different words. We're not that far apart. Hmm. So, for example, the word, you know, I call clairvoyance to be able to see spirit in the in the Bible. There's theological terms. It's called visions, or what we call clear audience. In the Bible, it's called locution. So there's a lot explained in there. But um, the book is also a reference book. I recommend it for anyone who's in any type of counseling, whether it's mental health counseling, for spiritual counseling, any type of ministers. Because sooner or later, if it hasn't happened already, somebody's going to come to you with a paranormal experience. And this book teaches, it's like Parapsychology 101. It will help you to understand um, all about the paranormal and 
how to better counsel those who are having these experiences. Because for me, one of my statements is it's very normal to have a paranormal experience. And for people, when they have these, it's best to have some compassion when they go to their ministers or priests or psychiatrists or whoever it is they're seeking help from, rather than being told that they're, you know, practicing devil worship or something. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's another area that uh, IONS is uh, a contributing uh, force to to help people who've been given bad advice about their near-death experience or similar event. Exactly. And um, also the book, the, my ministry is uh, Gifts of Grace Ministry, um, and that is something that I started to help people. I do spiritual workshops and counseling for people who've had paranormal, supernatural, mystical, and near-death experiences. And the book in my ministry, uh, 100% of that goes to charity. 50% does go to my Gifts of Grace ministry, which is nonprofit. And the other 50% of the book and proceeds of the book go to uh, various other organizations, one of them being the International Association of Near-Death Studies. So um, it's all nonprofit. And um, my website, if I can plug that now, the, the oh, only way to get absolutely. the book... <laughs> Yeah, the only way to get the book really is if through me personally, a handful of bookstores. And um, but by going to my website, it's giftsofgraceministry dot org. And be sure you have a sing- singular ministry, uh, giftsofgraceministry dot org. And there's a link, a uh, page there for my book. And there's a direct link to the publisher, so you can order it directly through the publisher. I do have a small. Independent publisher, a Catholic publisher, I was happy, really happy to get out of Phoenix. So um, there's no distributors involved, and I'm doing all my own marketing. So I'm truly grateful for this opportunity, Lee, to to talk with you and your audience about this. Well, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure, Mary, uh, hearing your story, and uh, I want to thank you for uh, sharing your insights. Um, too bad that we are now out of time, but. Um, let me repeat your uh, giftsofgraceministry.org is how people can get in touch and uh, how they can get your book. Yeah. So my so thanks again. Thanks to our guest Mary Grace today.